guys, welcome to Minefields. It's Joshua Michael. This week I bring you Skylight, EDM at its best. We're starting the, the podcast out today with their latest track, Really Live Life, from an upcoming album with they still can't tell me when the hell the goddamn thing's coming out. But that's okay, because they're working on it. But the track is Boss, and I've got an interview with both Zach and Judge, and one with just Judge, too. We, we smashed it together, guys. Uh, I present to you Skylight. In my sin, though you would think I do this shit on the daily. I was so, but out on my own, maybe you'll find someone to hold. The music's hurt my head, the lyrics have no doubt about how they waste their time. Intentions, not even good directions Wish that I could hop out that door And lay back, look at the stars Thank you to the top of a mountain Play you this song while I look into your eyes And really live love Thank you to the top of a mountain
guys, I got Skylight again. Actually, both of them this time. Uh, we got Mr. Judge there, and we got Mrs. Zach. How you guys doing? How you doing, dude? Yeah, we're doing pretty great. Well, it's good to talk to you, man. Uh, Judge was telling me you went on this cocaine hookers trip all down down the uh, down the south, man. You ran out of I money. Had a brother. I found all my brothers and my sisters. <laughs> you ran out of money. You had to bail your ass out, and that's okay, man. Uh, yeah, man, that was that was a trip. <laughs> I, went down, I went down to the East Coast. It actually turned out from we were only supposed to chill in South Carolina, but you know we after having the layover in Michigan, I count states that I stay at the airport and as I visited, I don't know if you do, but I went into North Carolina. We flew in North Carolina, stayed there a little bit, went to South Carolina later that night, and then I was like, hey, you just want to go to Nashville? And it was he was like, yeah, dude, let's do it, It'd be cool. And then my mom calls like, by the way, your little brother's in Kentucky, which is only an hour away. I'm like, you want to go to Kentucky? And she's, and he's like, yeah. So we took this nine, we took this, you know, round trip, 900 mile road trip from South Carolina all the way down to Kentucky. And we saw Nashville and Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Saw some goats on a roof on the way. It's pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad, into a pretty, huh? I'm, glad, I'm glad you got some R and R, man. You guys really need it, man. Oh yeah, especially after that last show that we played. Oh well, how'd that go, man? Um, so it went pretty good. Um, we were having some sound issues. Cause obviously, first show you have things to improve on. Yeah. So we've been working on improving those. But um, first band came up and they ended up being like super super late. So because of that, everyone's time got messed up. Yeah, we, we were supposed to go on ten. We didn't come on to like like ten forty-five, and then. Uh, the first band was supposed to go on. They got pretty pissed at us and tried to put some things on us. I'm not going to go into that. But um, at the end of the day, um, Scott Wilson actually ended up standing up for us, which was pretty awesome. No, that's great awesome. Guy. So that was that was your first show. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was our first show. And you guys opened up for a bunch of death metal bands. No, actually, they opened up for us. <laughs> no, no, that's what I meant to say. I, I got it. I got it the wrong way. All right, so. <laughs> All right, so now yeah, you trying to sound cocky, but that was our first show, yeah. Now, now you've learned your lesson not to open up for two different genres. Gotcha. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. It, it's funny because uh, we we talked about this last time, but you'd be surprised, like, because I've been DJing since two thousand five or six. I can't remember when you when you start DJing. The early years get really really blurry uh, until you get your shit together. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, you'd be really surprised how many like hardcore EDM guys started out non like hardcore death metal guys. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I hope you, I hope you converted some of the masses, man. Like, uh, I heard you had it pretty packed. Yeah, we actually, uh, we've increased pretty significantly on our Spotify as far as listeners go from that. Um, that was, that was actually pretty dope. And we had a ton of t-shirt sales. So that was, all in all, it was a pretty great show. Awesome. Like, uh, okay, so we're selling t-shirts, Spotify's bumping up. What did you guys learn from your first show? I mean, like, what are some of the tweaks that you want to change? Sing closer to the microphone. Yeah, sing closer to the microphone, definitely. I was having this issue where, because some songs, like, I end up changing how, the volume in which I sing at. Mm -hmm. So, like, a lot of the songs, they weren't able to hear my vocals. Yeah, I remember when I was the last time I saw a full fledged show at Sunshine. Uh, 
there was a couple issues with the sound and Whitechapel were getting completely drowned out. Like the guy was like, the lead singer was looking at me and I'm like, can't hear you. <laughs> and then he, he gives me a nod and he, he starts no, notioning over. I mean, like it's, and it's nothing against yeah. Sunshine, man. Like it, it's like those, those uh, medium sized venues can get really difficult, especially when each, uh, yeah, well, yeah, when each, yeah. when, when each, when each uh, band has their own different sound, and you got really, you really got to work on the fly, and they did such a good job of working on the fly there, so it was cool. Uh, all right, oh, yeah, so we're, did a great job. we're we're working. Let's let's talk about let's talk about what you learned, and then let's talk about like all the best parts. So let's talk about the opportunities. So sing closer to the mic. Uh, what else? Um. So make sure the props from the merch stand don't get taken. <laughs> because that happened, and there was so this is actually a pretty funny story. So we have a little um, like we call him a merch prop. His name is Chunks, and so he is this toy steel. He's like like a little stuffed animal that we put a crown on him, so he's King Chunks. And so when Princess Chunks, now yeah, maybe that guy's mad because we're, we're you know he's a dude wearing a tiara. Maybe I don't know. He's always angry. Probably. We can't figure out why he's mad, but he's mad for some reason. So, um, I'd say, like, about the time that the second band came up, um, he had completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so I guess one of the, the one of the drunk guys at the venue had been taking him and, like, passing him around. So he was kind of getting, like, a whole bunch of people French kissing him and stuff. Which I was very confused about. <laughs> okay, so, okay, are you guys not seeing what I'm seeing right now? No, I, I don't think I am. Why are you? You need to have another prop and have that happen every single show now. <laughs> that Yo. that 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 should be a thing now. Now, so you should just find a bunch of bulk bears, find some TRs to put them on, and then make that make that the fucking gimmick. Like you gotta have yeah, like because we're trying. We're working on getting a tip jar that says "I'll love you forever" if you leave a tip. Well, do that, but dude, you, like, uh, good gimmicks always happen organically. So if they're passing a bear around, making out with it, uh, do that every show. <laughs> dude, it was funny because like before, right before we came on, um, they started going, they started chanting the seal's name. So like, I came, I went back, I ran outside to grab something right from backstage, and I forgot what it was. So I was like, "Where's Chunks? You need to bring Chunks." And I'm like, "I gotcha." And I'm like, "All right." And I go back backstage, and I'm like, "Chunks going on stage." I look at Judge, and he just looks at me, super annoyed. He's like, "All right, whatever, dude." <laughs> and right after I said that, everyone starts chanting, "Chunks, Chunks, Chunks," and I just look at Judge, and I'm like, "Chunks is going on stage." It's, it's gonna happen, man. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'm telling you, it's kind of annoying me, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. We still got to play our set. We still had a great time. That's awesome, man. All right, so we talked about the opportunities. Now, what were some of the best things that paid off from that? Oh, man, the lessons learned. Um, that was something, but it was really fun just getting our first show done. Um, <coughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. We had like 200 people sure. around that in our crowd, which was super awesome, especially for our first show. Like Having Scott come out and introduce us. That was a blessing. He's like your he's, mentor. He's oh yeah, I know he is our mentor. So like, he's like taking us in and he's helped us out a lot with some of the stuff that's been happening. And like, even when it comes to like mental health stuff, like I was having like a rough, like I really had a rough week, 
and because of that, I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I've been, like, kind of not talking recently. It's not anything that, like, any of you guys are doing. I've just been going through a rough time mentally. So there was like, hey, you know, I'm here for you. And I think that really does speak up a lot about the Colorado music scene and how a lot of these guys, like, it's so well-connected. And you find the right people, they'll stick up for you, and they'll really just become, like, family. Yeah, that's a hard thing, too. That's why, like, you may have noticed since our show, our band page kind of went dry. Because we, we took it hard, man, when we had those microphone issues, we're being genuinely honest. Yeah, I, I came off stage, and while we were coming off, Zach was like, oh, well, that sucked. I'm like, we kind of, like, went out, and then... But apparently, like, we, we did better than we thought we did because the, the bartenders and everyone thought we were a national act. So, and so we were, but we were still, like, we still feel, like, kind of sore about the whole thing. But we just know it means next time we're going to, you know, we're going to take this as a learning lesson and we're going to push forward and we're going to keep going. You know, it's all about being mentally, I get it, things happen for a reason. Things get hard, but you just got to learn to push forward. Hmm. I agree. And now, that, okay, so... Uh, Judge, you've been in bands before. Zach, have you? I've been in some like little projects, but nothing as serious as this. Okay, no, no. Pause on that. Back to mental health. One of the best parts about being in an artist scene is when you get well, a you 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 already hit a milestone. You don't know it. You've got a great mentor. Number two yeah. is. Uh, it's 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 a fine balancing act, especially if like you're uh, you're established. You've got. It was uh, Scott helping you out, but when you're established like him, he knows it's not an it's not just an ego thing. It's more of a you have to be so aware of everyone's triggers. You have to be aware of what they're sensitive to. So yeah, he, he's feeling you guys out. And I remember like when I was starting off in bands, and uh, when the promoters and my band realized that I would have full blown panic attacks before the show. Now I've gotten in. I, I I've gotten into like big fights before like like little literal like brawls uh those don't bother me <laughs> like, uh performing on stage yeah <laughs> yeah that like that. yeah and and then learning learning your homies triggers and then it, it's a, it's an honor to get to take care of people like that and and i can't wait for you guys to meet other bands that you take under your wing or get to tour with and get to help them out like the second someone says the wrong thing one of you guys hits the brakes and like yo you need to leave or like we got to get this guy out of here for just a second like or yeah. you know just to get everyone in the right yeah. headspace um actually uh, that brings up a story from when i was in the modern day hero and so at one point we were playing a show and i saw this girl that got because this, this guy had been starting fights all night. And so, he had a question in mind for me, which was, he was, because again, he was slam dancing, which there's no issue with that unless you do it respectfully and you do it smart and you're yeah. not like causing issues for everyone else. Yeah. And so, this guy, roundhouse kicked this 15 year old girl and she drops. Oh, shit. But she got on like mid admin. So I was like, oh no, I jumped off the stage, told him to get the guy out. Man, uh, that's a lot more civil than what I've seen. Man, the 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 two best fights I've seen was uh, the first one. I was in a I was at a hate breed show, and out of love hate breed. Uh, I was, like it was it was a blessing of a night in an odd way. Like they were opening up for Damage Plan, but Vinny and Paul's dad like had a heart attack or a stroke that day, so they had to haul ass from OKC to to Arlington to take care of their dad. 
and Hatebreed finished their set, and they're like, listen, um, there's still three more hours in the night, and y'all paid for three more hours. Uh, Vinny and Dime's dad got sick. You tell us to fuck off, we'll fuck off, but if you want us to keep playing, we'll keep playing. So they played their whole catalog in, like, five hours. It was nonstop moshing. Oh, yeah. It was it was before, like, slam dancing and, like, the hardcore dancing happened. It was full-on metal mosh pit. And out it was of the like court- a fucking push pit. Dude, it was no, not push pit. This was brutal. Like the the only rules were no elbows, no fists, and if someone yeah, falls, yeah, no, no, you, no, you, okay, you pick you pick their ass up. Well, out of the corner of my eye, this big ass dude bro throws a punch at some dude, and before I was able to turn around, there's a guy sitting on his chest, just wailing on his face, and there's a guy uh, on sitting like like it was like this weird like hardcore sex scene where one guy's sitting on the face and the guy's got his back to him sitting just punching his legs and people are kicking his his fucking arms it was one of the best things i ever saw in my life <laughs> it was, and then and then they the, the the bouncers let them finish this guy off they pick him he's all bloody and beaten and then everyone's like it was so funny because like the little girls because there's when you go to shows like that there's little girls that will hold their own and they're giving him the finger calling him you faggot <laughs> he's all bloody <laughs> it, so it was funny uh the, obviously it's not cool to call anyone a faggot anymore but when someone throws a punch in the in the mosh pit it, you, it's all it's all or nothing <laughs> but uh okay so we've got two dynamics here and i'm really liking this so judge you're the voice and you you're that silent drummer type that probably gets way more pussy than him <laughs> i was a girlfriend and i had some nice girls talking to me that night but just only went because i came with a girl well, tell us about yourself, man. We uh, like we're going to talk about Judge uh, on the the tail end of this when I recorded just with him last week. But tell us about yourself, man. Where are you from? Oh, let's see. That's a long answer. Like a long story short, I was born born in Illinois. Spent some time in California. Went to Vegas, then back to California. Grew up mostly in Vegas. And so after that, I just I really don't know, man. Growing up, um, didn't really have any friends, really, to be honest with you. Maybe like three or four people in my whole life who were friends that weren't trying to use me for anything. None of us did, like, man. We're in the same boat. That's cool. No, it is. No, it is what it is. And so, but I wanted to be popular so badly, but never could. Right. All right. So, so um, expand on that. Made ex- me, like, ex- probably pushed me, probably pushed people away more. To be honest. E- expand on that. Like, like, okay. So if you're trying to fit in, like, were you like, what were you, what, what clothes were I, you buying against your will? I was just, Trying to be something I wasn't, I think. So I tried to be a man of all trades. I couldn't figure out what I wanted. You know what I mean? I was trying to do what I, what I thought other people would think is cool. And I just found that not being myself pushed people away. And when I started being myself, I gained more friends. And that was more recently, you know, after the high school. And, you know what I mean? I learned how to, you know, master that throughout the military and stuff. But um, I would say I finally, I did get one year of popularity. And that was in my senior year. When I decided to take a skillet to math class and cook eggs. Okay. And did you, that became a viral meme. Like, you may have seen it. Did you uh, Did you cook for everyone or just a couple of homies? Oh, I was going to cook for everyone, but the teacher stopped it pretty fast. <laughs> and so, uh, I wish I could tell you the caption to look it up on right now, but I don't know if... 
the world is, would appreciate. <laughs> All right, so so you're halfway you're, you're halfway cooking an omelet for some honey in the class, and some bitch ass some bitch ass teacher pulls the fucking cord out of your fucking hot plate. <laughs> you walk in the classroom and he's like, because oh, I wanted to do it like I wanted to do it before, um, like in the middle of notes. I just wanted to pull out the, the hot plate, cook it in. But I unplugged it, and I plugged it in thinking it would take a while to warm up. And, but it, it didn't, so the thing was already hot, and people already saw the hot plate. I'm like, there's no way they're going to keep quiet about this. The plan is going to be foiled if I don't do it time now. So I just say, all right, man, here it goes. Nothing. I'm about to crack an egg. Someone looks at me. He's like, are you really about to cook eggs in math? And I'm just like, crack it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And as people were blowing in the door, I just started, the whole class was in the back with, like, 40 cameras in my face. And uh, the teacher walks in, he's like, all right, guys, today we got, and he's, like, mid-sentence, he, like, stops on a, like, on a needle. He's like, why is everyone back there? <laughs> he walks, and I was like, hey, if you're coming back here, can you bring some salt and pepper? I forgot it. Oh. And he's like, what? And he just walks back, and he's like, hold on a minute. And, like, they may open it up, and there I am, just with my skillet, my bachelor like this egg is frying it's like, <laughs> bitch, like, be quiet i'm cooking on a fucking cast iron you know how sensitive this shit is then you interrupt my cook session with your math lesson <laughs> he just walks out the classroom and so, then he's like he comes back in and he he's like i gotta call the dean and then the print you know the hall monitor comes because you have to be escorted to the dean and like he's like brings me to the front of the classroom and he gives the whole speech about how I'm a legend will always be remembered and how it's one of the funniest, it's always the funniest thing he's ever seen happen at school. We get to the dean's office, they applaud me, the principal comes out and shakes my hand, takes a picture with me, and I got grounded. So, like, on Monday, I came back to school with my father, and he was like, I'm disowning you as a, you know, he's like, I'm disowning you if you get expelled today, I hope you know this. Well, help. And, like, what? <laughs> so, like, as I'm walking in the school, everyone's swarming me, and I'm just confused because I'm like, wait, well, why is everyone swarming me? What's going on? And then I go upstairs, and, like, the principal's just like, the dean's like, yeah, man, you're just going to get this paper. It's just a parent-teacher conference. And to shorten up the story, it turns out I made, made it to millions of people around the world. Oh, that's awesome, man. How old are you? Oh, how old are you now? 23. And how old are you when that happened? I was like 17, I think. Well, shit, man. So I got a 17-year-old got to taste the fame, and it was pretty cool. Well, shit, that never happened to me, man. The most that ever happened to me was not getting arrested at an Eve 6 show for stage bombing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was worth it, though, but I did crush some poor little girl in the front row, and I staged, stage dived because <laughs> I didn't want to get folded in half by some bouncers. But, uh, all right, so you're you're 17 then. What were you listening to? Everything I listened, I think I was going through a classic rock phase at the time. All right, yeah, so I was into the Beatles and Floyd, and like when I say I was into them, I spent like three days awake just watching this documentary about the Beatles' entire life. Well, damn, how did you find so, me? I flew to Philadelphia, like after I graduated, I flew to Philadelphia from Las Vegas to go see Paul McCartney. You've seen Paul McCartney, yeah. One of the most amazing shows I've ever seen in my life, if not the most amazing. My dad gave me got up there and played for four hours straight. I hear these badass man. My dad gave me his entire uh, Beatles uh, uh, vinyl collection. His white album is still white. 
shit. Like the it doesn't have that sticker burning on the front, and everyone that knows what I'm talking about is gonna yeah. The, he had that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how did you find EDM? into EDM I think as a as a 12 year old my music production teacher was showed me this guy named Dead Mouse, and at first I hated it and then I just started listening to Skrillex and Calvin Harris and it just kind of all went into there so I got into EDM rap and I got into rock and I got into classic rock and now I'm going through, you know I went through country and I just got into all types of music Shit, I remember when Dead Mouse first came out, man. Like we were all shitting over it, man. We couldn't believe it, man. Like, like it was before Ghost and stuff came out when we started finding his remixes of shit. And then Calvin Harris came out right at the same time with, like, I think the first song I found of Calvin Harris was acceptable in the '80s. Yeah, I created disco albums. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but I like how the you kind of went in the reverse way. Like you found EDM first, and then like went like into rock. Now, now you're producing it. Like, all right, so Judge is making the lyrics. He's got kind of the the vibe of of what you guys your group going on. How how did how did you initially have the balls to approach him and say I want to let's do something? We okay. So here this time we had for the past two years we met. This had been like. We were, I walked up to him, we apparently went to basic training together, had no idea, graduated together, again, still didn't know, we meet up here in reception, and we meet, right, and for the past, from there, like, I'd say a week or two later, we were out there jumping out of airplanes, both solo and tandem, if you, people who know the difference are probably shitting bricks if they know what I mean by I said it, a couple solo jumps, um... We then went like when we did, went to like whitewater rafting, cliff jumping. I actually taught him to snowboard, but my way of teaching him to snowboard, right, was uh, we went up to Pikes Peak. So I've been snowboarding for fourteen years. Oh, right, hold on, can I call? Can I call it? Can I call it? Can I call it? Yes, yeah. Okay, I grew up in Alaska, yes. and they fucking ribbed me, and apparently it was a rite of passage. Uh, I, I. It took me 45 minutes to get down the, the the hill the first time, and it was because I kept trying to go straight down. Did you let him do? <laughs> you didn't tell him to go back and forth, no, did you? No, no. Um, basically, because we were just trying to find a like a way. We had a snowboard. We basically had a snow day. We were we were yeah. supposed to be at work, but they called it off. So we decided to go up to Pikes Peak, which, is, if you guys know, is not does not have any resorts. So I actually took him up. To the mountain, and I'm looking at it. it. Starts off like a like easy little blue trail. So I'm thinking, okay, this is this is gonna be not too bad. I mean, you're dodging some trees, but it's not terrible, right? And so what ends up happening is, is it very quickly turns into a double black. There's like a drop off here on the left side, <laughs> and on the right there's a slope, but it's it's getting more difficult. You're fucking and with so, him, and you're fucking with. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I've never touched a snowboard before this day. So I'm like, alright, if you don't know how to turn right, you're going to need to learn now, because if not, you're going to fall off this cliff. You're going to have a bad time. He <laughs> off, he learned to turn right pretty quickly. <laughs> it was like, do I fucking die? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Right, and then I fall into it, and then I land into a tree, and I'm trying to get out of all this snow, and it's here, you say, hey, uh, worst, 
It's the worst ice cream headache in the world is when you fucking biff it and your all that snow gets in your fucking like bonnet and it's just like that happened to him, right? <laughs> At one point we were we were snowboarding and because like the snow here is like unmanicured and it's it's above your waist, so like I'm six foot. It was up to like my belly button, right? And so he's going and he does this jump, but he lands. He lands ass first. Gets his, so he just sinks. So his legs and hands are stuck up like this, and that's all I can see of this dude. Oh, that's awesome. And after that, we just kind of chilled out and snowboarded a little bit more. But yeah, so we did all of this crazy stuff, right? For two years, for about a year and a half, and then COVID <laughs> happened. And we were just like, well, now what can we do, dude? Like, there's nothing else for us to do. Like, we've, we've done everything, and there's nothing else we can do because of this virus. And we were, I just look at him, and I'm like, you want to make this music thing a reality? Yeah, so, like, because originally, like, this was a solo project, so it was just me doing this. Yeah. And, um... I think we talked about this last time. Yeah. But he was like, like I was hesitant at first because, again, I've been in so many bands where it's edited because it created difference. Yeah. And so, like, I was kind of iffy about it on first, and then he eventually convinced me. I just, I just finally got him to do it. And then, like, at first he wanted a Billie Eilish thing, and I was just, <laughs> like, in the back of my head, like, please, no, 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 no. But this is, I was like, Good. I'm not going to stop him because it's his project. And then one day, we were just trying to figure out the type of vibe we wanted for a song called Really Live Life, and I'm just, like, suggesting lightly, what if it sounds like this? And I showed him, a, like, um, a song called Fractures by Illinium, and he was like, that would actually be really fucking dope, and that's how we got this whole EDM vibe now. Dude, that's <laughs> awesome, like, man. And I'm like, thank God it's not Billie Eilish. No yeah. offense to Billie Eilish. I couldn't, but I, I was not a fan of her at the time. I couldn't fall into Billie Eilish, man. I I accidentally fell for Adele for a month, and then I realized, like, no, <laughs> no. I think she's dope now, but when I first, it's the thing that I really get out of her is the lyrical value oh, of the yeah. songs that she has, which is again, like when I'm analyzing songs, that's usually what I go for because I'm a lyricist myself. Me too. Like, if, if I can't relate to it and, like, man, I remember when I was, like, maybe 10 years ago and, like, I started having, like, my emotions really hardened and it was very hard to relate to anything. And, God, I think the last band I really, like, fell in love with that I related to all the lyrics was the the Shiny Toy Guns. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. Um, it's, been, it's been a while. Um now I just go off a of noise. I like melodic noise now, and yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Now, Zach. All right. So you started. You started helping produce the music. Where did you start? I mean, we're talking like you started doing samples. Did you have like a trigger finger? Oh, no, 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 no. We have a guy in the Netherlands who we work with who gives us our beats. I do a lot of the marketing and stuff. Well, who's this guy in the Netherlands? This guy named Rogue. It's pretty cool. So. Basically, we, we tell him what we want, and I'll send him, like, some some simple things to expand on, pretty much. For example, we sent him the link to Tiny Fractures by Linium, and I was like, we were just like, kind of make it sound like this, but don't copy it, or get it relatively close, even. It's like yeah. the same, the same vibe, 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 because we didn't know how to describe, like, what kind of beat drop we wanted and all that other stuff. We were just like... 
this is cool. Does he speak English? Yeah, um, yes, he speaks English, German, French, French, and English. I got like you, you think he'd want to be on the show, man? Let's get him on. I mean, he's honestly really hard to get a hold of. I, so, especially because of the time difference, usually it takes like forty hours for me to respond to this. Yeah. So, like, I would definitely, I would love to have him on. I just think that would be very difficult. Uh, I, I, can, well, I don't even know. I can okay. First yeah. off, is he from the? If he's from the Netherlands, then I know what he listens to because I listen to like three podcasts and radio shows from the fucking Netherlands. I can speak dance music, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I really can, man. It's 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 what we do. Well, what I do if I'm talking to myself. But um, all right, so yeah. we, we got the band going. You've got your first show. Uh, what ideas do you have to improve the product? Improve, improve so, Skylight. Um, we're constantly working on improving our show. Uh, we're try- currently we're trying to get both confetti cannons and fire, and more lasers. And we just want it to be like excision on crack. Okay. Like, you know what I mean by that? We want an excision show, but on crack. We what- want more lasers, more fire, more confetti, more strobe lights, screens, LED panels. I want to get water cannons on stage. Well, shit, you know man, you what I mean? Be... I want to get, like a fountain show, like somehow get like a pool or an aquarium I can build underneath and then get water to spray out. You better fucking run that past Christina first, man. <laughs> That's what I told him. So like, if we're doing it outside. He had this one idea originally where he was like, yo, I want you to dance around fire. I'm still going to have him do it. And... Zach. He's still doing it. <laughs> or he did that or I'm doing it during our DJ sets. You or me, man. What do you use to DJ? Um, so Ableton. You, say again. Ableton. Yeah, so we use Serato. Okay, cool. What 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 uh what controller do you use for Serato? So we have a, I believe, is a DJ Pioneer SB3. If I remember correctly. Does it have the jog wheels or is it just straight up? Yeah, like, it's got jog wheels. All right, cool. That's awesome, man. Like I like Serato a lot, but I, I uh, when I'm using vinyl, it's all about Serato. But when I'm yeah. using like when I'm using uh, actual like the jog wheels, uh, are you guys gonna be at the show on Saturday at CSW? Yeah. Um. So he probably is. Me. It depends on what time um, I finish up. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I got tickets, but I also have stuff going on. Just get your ass over there, man. I know you got some cosplay shit going on, but you get. Okay. I'll be there, but again, like it depends on what time. Come help me do my come help me do my opening set, man. I'm doing a I'm doing a horror set, man. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, you should be good. Get your ass over there, man. Get your ass over there, man. Ditch the girl. Go watch some guys get slammed with ladders. Actually, I'll probably bring her. Do it. She'll probably want to see a guy get her bloody face with some ladders well guys man i'm so glad i got you both on the phone i actually got to let you go because i got another interview to do in a little bit like in like uh three minutes actually uh okay yeah but i'm just glad i got you both on and man it's always like i really gotta say i got such a good vibe from you guys as people and as artists and i hope i made i hope i made a good impression with you all too because i love bumping into you guys and love talking with you guys man we got to keep we got to keep things going and and do whatever we can together and have a good time and uh just make people dance definitely oh yeah 
All right, so we already know where to find you, but tell us again on online. Um, so, so you can find us. All you got to type in is Skylight, spelled S-K-1-L-Y-T-E. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you can find us on Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram iTunes, Google Play, Apple Music, um, TikTok. TikTok. Amazon. Did you see Amazon? Yeah, I, I think I said Amazon. I heard radio. I heard radio, Pandora. Anything else you can think of. Yeah, anything else you can think of, we're probably on it. Guys, and it's... And it's, also, keep them up on the Instagram. It's skylight underscore official, I think. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll add your asses, man. It's been great to talk to you and great to see you. And hopefully I see you both, both, well, on Saturday... Get there a little early and help me out with my set. I, wait, let me come out there and spin with you. Yeah, bring a jump drive. All you got to do is bring a jump drive. All right. Bring a jump drive and your headphones, and I've got a I've got a splitter so we can both have headphones in at the same time. Well, I'll even plug two of them in so we can all have headphones. All right, bet. All right, man. Guys, it's all been right. a pleasure, man. I really appreciate talking to you guys, and I can't wait to work with you again, man. Always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. All right, you guys guys take it easy and don't get in fucking trouble. (laughs) 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 Fucking army, guys. I love you guys. Peace. Peace. And here's the time when I just had Judge. Audio clipped out a bit, so did my best to fix everything, guys, but great great conversation with the gentleman. Here you go show and we were running to Randy and so Randy Chacon as you know he's the president of CSW and we got just talking about like both our music and about his wrestling so we were like hey you know this sounds pretty cool let's go to a show and we bought the tickets so that's how that's how originally started out. Then he would started like talking to us, like, "Hey, man, um, maybe if you want, if some of the wrestlers like your music, we could use it as an intro at some point." So that's how that conversation began. Did you get to talk to any of the guys backstage about doing music, or are you just getting a feel for the place? Um. So, like, Sunshine Studios Live is like our like home venue, right? So we're, we're there all the time. We actually go and we do a lot of the yard work for them funny enough we're pretty good friends with scott and christina as well that's awesome you guys record there too say again do you guys record there too yeah we do all of our recording there at sunshine studios they have a really nice studio back there and then um scott wilson obviously you know he's the basis of saving able he's been using his connections to help us out just a ton so well, well, let's get to let's start from the beginning. Like, uh, how did you and Homeboy meet up? And introduce your friend that's not here that had to go see some family. Uh, so the the person who does all the live DJing for us is Zach Yenner. He is my best friend of two years. Uh, we actually met unknowingly during basic training. So we we had this uh, this graduation ceremony that they have at the end right and so we were part of the same graduation ceremony but we ended up meeting at 
for Carson Improv this thing and just started talking about music and that's where it started. So what were the, uh, what was the, what was the band? Cause usually like when you, when you meet a, your, your future next best friend, they, they mention a band that if you say the right word or, or the right band, like it, all of a sudden eyebrow raises and like, tell me more. Cause you're, you're tempting me with a friendship here. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, we were either talking about Bring Me the Horizon or we were talking about Lincoln Park. I'm not sure which one off memory just because, again, it's been two years. There's been a lot of drinking since then. (laughs) Well, I imagine so. You guys are soldiers, man. You guys party hard. Uh, You guys – all right. So you guys have been best friends for two years. Uh, When did the conversation start to start start up a a group? Okay, so – Basically, when I first got to Carson uh, two years ago, I was going through a lot of really hard stuff. Um, my grandfather passed away Christmas Day. Uh, two weeks later, my wife had left me for another man, and then I told my car. So I was in a very like dark state of mind. It was a country song. And, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much third every country song. And... Uh, what ended up happening was I started writing a lot of the stuff that's that's going to be on this this upcoming album way back then, and just let it develop over time. And so, like, I was working on this project originally by myself, and meanwhile, like, I would show Zach here and there, like, what was going on with it, and he was always really digging it. And him and I, like. We've done literally all there is to do in Colorado together. We've done rock climbing, scuba diving, skydiving, you know, whitewater, whitewater rafting. Um, we did pretty much anything there was to do. And we were just sitting there one night, and he asked me, he's like, hey, dude, would you mind if I joined your project? I mean, we don't really have anything else left to do. Right. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Just because, like, I, so I was previously the bassist in a band called Modern Day Hero. Okay. Which, which was a metal band based out of Connecticut. And that's where I, really where I got my, my start as a professional musician was with them. But I, I saw in that band, you know, creative differences and egos have a very have a tendency to really just ruin music for me so that's why i was kind of iffy on letting him join the project but if it weren't for him to join the project we probably never would have gotten discovered well let's 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 rewind a little bit so what was the project before he decided to join what were you doing were you playing guitar were you running everything off fruity loops were you did you were you just uh, were you using Ableton? Um, was it straight up just EDM, or were you going a little bit more on the metal side? So it's gonna sound funny, but it was a lot more towards like the Panic at the Disco side of things. Oh, I love that stuff, man! Can, yeah, yeah, you can really like tell if you're listening to like early, early stuff like Nicotine, which is still not released. We're, we're finishing that up, but it should be done here pretty soon. It's going to be the opening song to this upcoming album, which is, again, awesome. Um, but you can definitely tell, like, lyric-wise and stylistic-wise, at first it was not what it is today at all. It was like, it started off more like a 
like a Panic at the Disco meets Billie Eilish kind of sound as well as going for her first. And it just kind of like developed over time through like working with Zach and well, just... Well, before you started working with Zach, like what were you doing? Were you just taking samples? Were you playing guitar, recording it, throwing everything on Ableton? So I was using a lot of samples and then I would play acoustic guitar over that. And then usually I'd record the vocals and I don't know how to mix. So I'd send it up to a buddy of mine named Christopher and, uh, Christopher is one of my, another one of my best friends. He lives up in Connecticut, but he used to work up in LA. He's done a lot of the intro stuff for League of legends. Um, so it was a lot of like audio engineering and that's what he ended up doing for me initially with, um, with really live life because he, he did all the, the vocal mixing for that song and that's what got us discovered before you uh let zach join the band uh what were your intentions with the band were you just looking to just express yourself or are you looking to uh do something with your art in terms of get noticed or was it something just to just blow off some steam it was, it was mainly a way to get out my emotions because a lot of times if i'm just like talking to someone I tend to have a really difficult time putting that into words because, uh, so I have brain damage because of an incident that happened when I was younger and it caused me to have this, this disability called delayed processing speed. So imagine trying to shove like a whole bunch of people through a tiny little hallway. And that's the best way I can really describe like what my brain process kind of goes through. What happened? So, um, what ended up happening was, is I had a babysitter, right, that had left me unattended, mm-hmm. and back when I was younger, I had a tendency to vomit. So, I ended up getting aspirin pneumonia because I inhaled my own vomit, and I nearly died, so I spent a good, like, I think it was three weeks in ICU. How old were you? I was eight months old at the time. What did your family do to that babysitter? So... Um, nothing ended up happening to the babysitter. We just never used them again. And then my mother ended up homeschooling me because of that. So with the being homeschooled, it actually really affected me socially, which is why, part of why I'm socially awkward now. But it also helped because like all I listened to until I was about 12 years old was Johnny Cash, um, Jimmy Buffett, I was living in Ocala, Florida, which is like this, like, kind of like marshland, like, it's right over by Silver Springs. There ain't nothing out there but rednecks and old people, so. Well, it's Florida, man. Anytime, yeah, just, yeah. just just Google Florida man blank. <laughs> and, <laughs> shit, like, I remember I was, I was uh, just browsing Facebook and someone posted an old photo of uh, Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids. And I was yeah. like, and it never occurred to me as a kid, but now, now that I'm older, I was like, yeah, of course they came out of Florida. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course those guys are out of Florida. All right, all right. So, all right. So you're dealing with, uh, I don't want to say it's an impairment, uh, but something that definitely has given you a bit of a challenge. And so you're homeschooled. Did you go to uh, high school at all, uh, or did you just graduate from homeschooling? Well, uh, so basically what happened was 2009, my parents got divorced, so there was a lot of stuff happening in my personal life. 
that I'm not going to get into all of it because it was just such a mess of a year. Yeah, of course. But basically, my, uh, my mom dragged us out to Connecticut because her family was out there. And we ended up being like couch surfing for a good two or three years. And during that time, I ended up going and I re-entered public school. But I had to teach myself how to write because like beforehand, all of my work was on the computer. Okay, so everything's on the computer. How old are you? So I was 12 years old at the time. In 2009? Yes. Okay. And, okay, so everything's on the computer. Did you actually ever go to high school at all, or did you finish school, like, in just straight-up homeschool? Yeah, so I, I ended up going to high school, which is where I met um, the members from Modern Day Hero. Um Initially, I was part of a band with three of my best friends. They told me that I wasn't good enough, so like I ended up for a long time being like kind of like oh, like the thing the teen angst. Oh, I'll show you, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but so I ended up putting together Modern Day Hero, which, granted, music wise, these guys were absolutely phenomenal, but. As far as they were, as people, uh, they were a bit sketchy at times. So we spent most of our time when we were record, like recording or working with that band, just being stoned as shit half the time. It's funny when you're uh, a lot of people don't understand like band dynamics. Uh, you you don't just it's it's difficult to to find like a rhythm with people because yeah you, you you hit it off you like a lot of the same things you want to play you've got a bassist you've got a drummer you got everything you need but then you start actually needing to practice and then you find a lot of people just want to get drunk they're there for pussy or they're for drugs or they're really just there for the lifestyle and not for the music yeah and exactly sorry yeah it's difficult it's difficult to to navigate that like uh, i remember reading uh, maynard james keenan's autobiography uh like two years ago and he was talking about all the failed bands he was in. He was in some decent bands, you know, they wanted to get some music done. But when he was talking about forming Tool, he was he it was his idea. He got he got the main guys together and he said, Listen, we're gonna get good really good really fast. And how we're gonna do that is we're gonna nonstop practice. There's gonna be no fucking around, and we gotta have the same the same vision here. It's not about the the lifestyle. And good music comes from that sort of environment and I'm I'm thinking that you and Zach got something good going to make this sort of music so far but but that's that we'll, we'll get into that a little bit further I'm, I'm a little bit more interested in what you're talking about your history because uh, I had a really bad head injury and it completely it wiped out two years of my memory and it also completely changed my personality 100 percent yeah completely so I can see where you're coming from, and I do. I do have. Uh, I've been a few neurologists about that sort of thing, but uh, I do have a few. Um, what's the word? Challenges. <laughs> challenges. Oh yeah, no, I probably get that. Challenges when it comes to things like. Um, but how do you? How do you go from homeschool to high school to shitty band, and then decide to join the military? So that's actually a really good question. So my family has been in the military for seven generations on my father's side. So it was kind of like a 
a no-brainer that I was going to join eventually. But for a while, I was like, no, I'm just going to be a welder. So I was a welder for about two years. And I started seeing all this stuff happening in Syria. And so when I was watching all this stuff, I was watching the news, I was seeing all these kids and women and children, all these innocent people just needlessly being killed by their government. And I was like, I need to do something about this. You know, I can't just stand idly by and just watch this happen. So I went to my recruiter's office. Um, at the time, I had inch and a quarter stretched ears. So <laughs> I was just like, hey, man, I'd love to get you in, but we got to get those taken care of first. So I spent $3,000 getting my ears sewn up, and then I spent another $14,000 on tympanoplasty because it turns out I had a perforated eardrum. So on my right ear, my ear, I have a pretty decent amount of hearing loss because of that. And that's a, and for a lot of people don't understand, like little things will get you disqualified for the military. Flat feet will get you disqualified. Uh, yeah. If you're trying to be a pilot, if you're not 2020 or like, it's, it's a son of a bitch. So yeah, no, it can definitely be difficult. There's only about 1% of the population that's, actually qualified to serve well i'm i'm proud of you doing it man uh i gotta it's one of the, i grew up i grew up in the military as well um let's see grandpa dad so two generations before me i don't know too much about great grandpa but i understand the um the lifestyle yeah now okay so you're getting fixed up you got ears fixed you got your uh your inner ear fixed and you're, what do you t- what do you tell your recruiter? Like you want to make a difference because I hear that recruiters are bastards. Yeah. So my main thing is I wanted to make a difference, but at the same time, because I was I was married at the time, and I just wanted to make a better life for myself and my my at the time wife. Um. Which obviously I already told you how that panned out. <laughs> yeah. Good old Jody boy. Um. But. My, my third reason was is because with Connecticut, the taxes there are so high. I, I was working three jobs and barely getting by like with my car payment and all that stuff. So I was trying to get out of Connecticut. That was like my, my primary reason, honestly, was getting out of the state. I hear Connecticut can be a little bit ass backwards. A lot of rednecks or just rich assholes? Um... So it depends on which side you're on. I haven't really seen a lot of the rednecks, but that's also because I lived in Bristol. Um, if you don't know where Bristol is, it's like kind of central Connecticut, up by Waterbury, New Britain area. Um, it's actually also home to Aaron Hernandez. The um, oh, I know who Aaron Hernandez is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so that's a that's an interesting story. That's something I'd like to explore, like with people that understand that sort of thing because uh yeah he was a murderer but at the same time though I, I don't just see a murderer i see someone that was a repressed homosexual that was beaten into fucking subservience and it just when you repress things and don't express them it drives people crazy oh yeah that's, that's definitely bound to happen i mean i still have his brother on facebook which is interesting right so but like, 
Sure. What did your What did your recruiter get you into? So, so I came in with a one fifteen GT score, which is very high. Um, and my main thing was I wanted to be infantry, so I go and I, I get to maps, and they're like, "What else do you want to choose?" I'm like, "I want to be an infantryman." They're like, "You are you sure?" You could be you could be a helicopter a helicopter crewman. I was like, no, I want to be an infantryman because I want to be kind of like that front lines make a difference. And then I ended up never doing anything combat wise <laughs> in the infantry so far. I've just been a lot of training and a lot of mopping floors. Well, you so. don't just you don't just decide to be an infantry. Like, who are some of your heroes that you looked up to that we that would inspire you to be an infantry? So my my dad, he was a combat engineer during Operation Urgent Fury, um, and then my great grandfather was on Iwo Jima as a corpsman. Wow. So yeah. Okay, so yeah, family heroes. That's awesome. You don't oh, just yeah. you don't just randomly say Iwo Jima. That's uh, uh, shit happened there. There's no air conditioned buildings that you're chilling out in the chair force there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so what was your first deployment? So, as I said before, I haven't really done anything combat-wise. We have done different training missions where we'll go to, like, the very first mission that I went on, we went to Fort Knox. And basically my primary job was being in holding company for the Cadet Summer Training Program, which is something that basically... Um, when officers are coming in, they go through ROTC, and they have a basic camp and an advanced camp that they go to during ROTC. Both of them are long, and that's where they get their, that's basically their basic. Right. And so, I was put there, and basically with holding company, we're dealing with a lot of people who have, like, lost, like, these $60,000 scholarships who have, like, either injured themselves or they got disqualified for doing something stupid. And, like, and it's just really, it's really sad to see because a lot of these kids, like, view it like, oh, this is, like, the end of the world. So, and were you, like, a babysitter or something? Kind of, yeah. Like, very similar to that. I would bring them to appointments. Um, we would go and a lot of times with these appointments, like, it depends on what it was. Because sometimes it was like, oh, you need to get a plane ticket so we can get you out of here. Other times it was bring them to the airport. Other times it was bring them to CIF to get their gear turned in. But it was a lot of like a lot of paperwork type stuff. So you're not fulfilling your duty in your mind. Well, I mean, yes and no. The way that I view it, like everyone has a certain place in the fight. And Agreed. hey, I mean. Even even though I'm not out there, you know, doing my job as an infantryman, I'm still doing my job as a soldier and training people who... The next mission that I did get sent on was we got sent to be up for during NTC, which is basically like a training center where people prepare to deploy. And so basically we were, we were assisting in the training for them 
so they could go out to deploy. So either way, I'm still doing my job as a soldier and helping train these guys, even though I'm I myself am not deploying. Well, while you're doing all this, what is what is keeping you fulfilled? I mean, you're an artist. Uh, what were you listening to? What were you reading? Uh, how were you expressing yourself in your own time? So it's kind of funny that you say that because a lot of the like I listen to a little bit of everything. So like one day I'll be listening to the soundtrack from Les Misérables. So like the next day I'll be sitting there listening to Wu Tang Clan, or I'll be listening to Chief Keef, and then I'll go listen to like Lincoln Park. Panic at the Disco. But I think, like, as far as lyrics go, my biggest inspirations would definitely either be Panic or it would be... Um, one second. Um, Ron Pope. There we go, that's his name. Sorry, <laughs> a little bit of a brain fart there. Well, that's awesome, man. Like, it was funny because when I was de- when I was, oh, I, I, I technically because it depends on what what mood you catch me in at CSW. Because the the last show, uh, I did a full on like a hundred percent everything beat matched like set. This this time it was Randy's uh, brother's tribute, so I was playing a lot of music. I was trying to be upbeat in terms of like because he told me his brother like a lot of metal like rap. So I played like it was funny because because uh, we're as family friendly as we can be. So I've never played yeah. the edited versions of shit. <laughs> so it was it was kind of a trip listening to uh, DMX's uh, party up like with shit edited because <laughs> he says yeah. the n-word like every other word but then i'm, I'm playing pod Southtown, and i look at you two guys walking by and i'm like the fuck are these guys <laughs> like 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 not that that's a that's a good thing like because you you guys yeah. i can tell you guys are young but i was like man that song came out in like the year 2000 i was like all right all right let me see what i can make these guys dance to or, or, or enjoy so uh yeah. I the big playlist I had I I kind of went deeper because of you guys because I was having such a trip watching you guys enjoy yourselves and have a good time and yeah, I mean, so like one of the things that I really believe in is just keeping positive vibes right so like so like again I listen to a little bit of everything as you noticed that night which is pretty cool. You guys were rocking out to Green Jello. I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> I was like, "All right, let's have some fun." Exactly. I love doing stuff like that. But I mean, like, especially Zach and I, we always try to keep a sense of comedy going, like in our sets, even with um, even with our music. So, like, I have this one song that's going to be on the album called "Break Ties." And so the whole story behind that song was I was with this girl and she ended up while I was sleeping trying to perform a black magic ritual on me. So <laughs> that um, was an experience, but I wrote about that experience and that's what Lake Ties is based off of. That's actually happened to me before. No shit. <laughs> that is you know, a- you're, you're probably the third person that I've actually talked to that has had that happen. I guess it's just like a Manitou kind of thing. Well, the chicks – like, okay, I'm not disrespecting Manitou. In any way, any Manitou people that are listening that can understand anything what we're talking about at the moment, please God. <laughs> the other thing is is that uh, I remember when that happened, uh, 
because I was a DJ, so I was sleeping around a lot. And yeah. I after that, man, I I would always check their bed for because I've always had really long hair. I would always check yeah. their bed for any stray stray strand of hair that they could use against me. Yeah, <laughs> totally get that, man. Well, shit, man. Like, what was going through your head when that happened to you? Because when I woke up, I was like, it was because uh, I know a lot about the occult and I also know how to protect myself. But so when I was woken up by this, I was more annoyed that I was woken up. And <laughs> as opposed to yeah. most people that would probably freak out or not know what to do, how did you react to that, man? I was just like, what are you doing? Because she was trying to put a vial of her blood around my neck. So I was like, what, what is going on like right now? What are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm trying to send demons to protect you. And I kind of gave her this look like, what the fuck? Demons to protect you. All right. Yeah. That's kind of a it's like, oxymoron. Sam, you can't just walk around putting hex on people. Putting hexes on people. Well, even then, just the fact that having something evil protecting you—that sounds kind of like what, like if angels are protecting you from people being evil to you or, or uh, bad luck. What is a demon protecting you from? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> good things, bad good things. Uh, like probably good things. Like I don't know, man. Like what did you? Well, did you just get your shit and leave? Yeah, pretty much. And then I found out that she gave me chlamydia, so that was the icing on the cake. Ouch. That, so, yeah. A gift that keeps on giving, Clark. Yep. <laughs> you're, 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 you're in the army, though, man. You, all y'all are supposed to get chlamydia or gunnery at least once or twice, man. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, it's pretty accurate, actually. Well, damn. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us, and I'm glad you're better. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, uh, all right. So that you got the inspiration for Wong Song from that, and it's. I want to get. I want to talk about electronic music because electronic music is something really difficult uh, to fathom for the average bear. I personally hated electronic music when I was a kid and as a young adult. It it. Yeah. Other than I grew up with my mom, I got really fortunate. So when my mother has, uh, I've got great parents and my mother was always into just random music. And for when we were living in England in the early mid eighties, she got me really into new wave music, like blue. Um, let's see. Um, we're talking new order. We're talking David Bowie. We're talking pet shop boys, uh, culture club. And I, I just, ate it up with a spoon. It was like, that was the, the extent yeah. of my ele electronic knowledge, Duran Duran, Depeche Mode. But it turns out that's a big knowledge. And yeah. I, I got really into metal, uh, really early on. And, um, I remember, I remember when I was, Jesus, I was, this was 2000 and I want to say 2003. And I remember it was at Hastings and I saw this magazine called Mix Mag and it had a CD on the front and, uh, I was just like dance music. That shit's for fucking fags, man. <laughs> like, like, and that's yeah. not something I use now. But like, it, you know, I, I'm not is I'm not ignorant. But I'm, it, it's not. It was just something that like a metalhead would think, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. That that a metalhead would think. Get it. Yeah, and and again, guys. Well, if, if you're listening to our shows, then you know that we're absolutely inclusive and. 
But, God, I hate having to always explain myself for that shit because I don't want to piss people off. But at the same time, like, I also want to make sure people feel that they know that, like, I've got their back. And, um, yeah. but I, I saw this magazine and then I got really sick, man. I got pneumonia. Like, I almost died. And, oh. and I remember it was in the shower uh, and my fever finally, like, snapped. Like, just, like, you ever had a really hard fever just break? Yeah. And I was in the shower when that happened and I'd lost 30 pounds. Um, I was, I, I was sick for like a month and, uh, my, my, my intern, I always call it my witchy intuition. Uh, every time it speaks to me, it's always a hundred percent correct. And that voice said, go buy that fucking magazine. So I did. And I put it on and it was a hard house track. It was a little hard. It was, it was a Lisa Lashes mix. Uh, my favorite hard house DJ. And it was, it was a hundred okay. 45 BPM and it was heavy, but it was dancey. And the, the, the yeah. real kicker to it was it wouldn't let me be mad. And after that, man, there was no turning back. There was absolutely no turning back. It was like, I was so into like uh, really heavy trance and uh, jungle and acid house. I, I mean, I just, I, I, I devoured it all. Um, I got lucky because um, when I got sick I was about to move in with some buddies, so I had like a couple grand in my in my account, and they they fucked me over and moved some other person in because I was sick. So I had I just I went and spent a couple hundred something dollars on just random CDs, and got into music that refused to let me be angry. And that's how I was able to evolve as a human being, uh, to be positive. Because dude, I was a negative son of a bitch, man. I was, I, I. you definitely I was not a I was not a, a fun person to be around, even just to walk past and um it it changed everything. You'd be surprised how many EDM DJs used to be hardcore metalheads. Yeah. And uh and, and I'm sorry that was such a long this is obviously about you, but I'm 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 going somewhere with this. So Oh you're uh, good, you're good. Uh, I bought a cheap pair of Gemini turntables um with my first credit card that uh, I obviously uh, defaulted on, <laughs> um, but uh, it was a pair of Gemini turntables and it was a two-channel mixer. And then I had a shitty laptop and I bootlegged a uh, tractor, and there was no going back after that. I I, I was yeah. a, I started being a journalist, and next thing I know, I'm a DJ, and next thing I know, all I'm doing is making playing Pied Piper. Just make I loved watching people. I love watching that dude that you can tell he's like a little nervous at the the beginning of the night. And next thing you know, he's like making out with some hot chick. I'm like, I did that. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. And um, long story short, I just wanted to open up to you because I want to know how you found dance music. Because it's it's not something that you just – it's it's not an accident that you find it. Yeah. So with me, I think – the best so with me I, I really wasn't all that into electronic music growing up i was just like like kind of like you i was a metalhead um i started going more towards um after i got out of basic i started going a lot more towards like punk music again but then me and my buddy we went to an excision show Oh, cool! So, like, I love Excision. They're like one of my favorite DJs, and so we went and I saw his light show for the first time with the music, and I was just completely entranced. 
Like, because I, I had, we were just in the area, so we were like, hey, you know what, screw it, let's go to this show. And we ended up having an absolute blast. Um, it was... Let's, let's talk about the show. Let's talk about the show uh, before we go further, because if it's your first show like that... Uh, I was dating this uh, – I met this this 25-year-old bird when I was 19 at this club called The Phoenix in Albuquerque. And uh, yeah. they, they were playing like just, you know, hip-hop. You know, it, it was whatever. It was, well, she took me to go see Paul Oakenfold. And okay. when we got there, before we walked in, she's like, okay, honey, I want you to know you can't dance with people like you do at the club at The Phoenix. You're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> and, it, it, it was it was a little different. How did you feel walking to that new environment? Because like it's completely different from a club. So before that, I had only gone to a club like once, and that so um, rule of life. I don't know, kind of go off topic a little bit here, but rule of life. Um, that song that I sent you. Yeah. The whole story behind that song is, and this is why the lyrics are what they are. When I was first going through my divorce, the people that I was sitting there talking to were all like, oh, you know, go, go to a club, find some girls. Like, and I mean, like, it, it was kind of like classic hookup culture. Yeah. Which, like, I honestly just find it's, like, really, really sad about society nowadays. But basically... I was going, and I'm sitting here, sitting in this club, listening to the music that they're playing, and, you know, it's just a lot of, like, hip-hop. It's not, like, any sort of house music or anything like that. Yeah. But I'm just, like, listening to the lyrics, and I'm thinking, like, oh, what is this about? Like, money, bitches, drugs, that's all that they're talking about. And it just kind of also reflects the kind of people I was watching in the room. So, like, I could tell all those those people weren't there to have a good time. They were either there to hook up, or they were there to for like drink their issues away. And like, I because I've always been a bit of a wallflower as far as stuff like that goes. Like anytime I go to a club, I usually just like I'm that guy sitting against the wall, just listening to the music, watching people because that's who I am. And so. I was just like, why am I going to sit here and drink my life away and just be miserable when I could go out and I could live my life to its fullest? Well, I mean, that's more easier said than done, man. Like, I mean, okay, yeah. so you had an, an epiphany, but when did it really hit you to start doing the music on your own after, like, the you know, that country song that happened to you, Crash Your Car, uh, Loved One Dies on Christmas, Cheating Ass Wife? Uh, when when did it all come to a head when you were actually sitting in front of your computer and holding your guitar? So, I believe it was when I was writing Nicotine. So, when I was writing Nicotine, it, it's talking about, you know, talk how even though someone can be so bad for you, you can become addicted to that, that toxicity. And so that's why in the song Nicotine, which again is going to be released on this album, the lyrics are, can't you see you're unforgettable? Took my heart and you ate it like an animal. All the boys chased you. It's understandable, understandable. Breathe me in, toss me out like a cigarette. The taste of your love is so toxic. 
But all that I was scratching, itching, trying to hit, get one more hit. I love it. Well, it makes perfect. It makes perfect sense, but I love it. Um, it one of those writer type things. Every time you hear someone talk about what they're passionate about, you're 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 looking. God, it's God. I'm gonna sound like such a fucking asshole, but when I'm listening to things or reading things, I'm looking for reasons to hate it. Oh no, I, I totally get that. I and totally and I just it's just like the because of my training, like we did music. Uh, you know reviews and all that sort of stuff and just because yeah. it just being a dj in general and a musician myself um especially from that did you ever do you ever get that sense or or is it something that is just someone that's in in goths like me that we're looking for something to hate but at the same time uh when you hear something good you're like fuck it's so good <laughs> yeah so the, the way that i view it is it's kind of like you're just analyzing it you know it's like that's why like anytime people like negatively criticize my music, like I totally get it. I don't get upset about it. I take notes because at the end of the day, not only am I here for myself and my own music, but the end goal is to help other people with my music. So I gotta see what what my viewer wants to hear. I gotta see like what what is it that's about my music that's catching their ear. What what is it that I need to change? What do I need to say to fan? Does is that something that's on your mind when you're writing that you're looking to I don't you're obviously not looking to impress, but you, you, you at the same are you looking to inspire people or are you looking to for a catharsis and hopefully other people can learn from it? So it's a little bit of both. Because, so, like, sometimes I'll write about, like, partying and stuff like that, but a big majority of the time, I'm not talking about stuff like that. Like, I'm talking about, uh, for example, Resuscitated, talking about how those in Hollywood and those who have everything that they could ever want are still unhappy. Um, River of Life, talking about, you know, the hookup culture. It's talking about, you know, just how pop music has evolved to what it is now. Um, or my, my personal favorite is Happy. And so for all the songs that I write, that's the song that resonates the most with me. And it's talking about how those people, like so many people nowadays, especially in American culture, they'll go and they'll put on a fake smile for someone else that... So everyone else doesn't know the way that they're actually feeling. You know, like there's we're, we're still, huh? there's that, and 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 uh, dude, keep going. I'm 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 uh, I'm listening, but I'm I'm skewing on a on a on a idea. Keep going. Okay, so the one thing that I like, you know, is like you're walking by someone, go, "Hey, man, how was your day?" You know, even they could have had the most shitty day ever. And they're still probably going to say, that was good, dude. Because because of how society has trained us to be over the years. Exactly. Like, a lot of times, like, if you go to somewhere like, like, in Europe, especially, like, if you ask someone how their day was, they're going to be honest with you. Like, they're gonna be like Germans oh, are that way. Happened. Germans yeah, will exactly. tell you, yeah. 
I know exactly what you're saying. Where like you ask an American, "How you doing?" Oh, I'm fine. But you ask a German, like they'll take it literally. Like like you're actually literally asking him how the day was. Well, you know, my day wasn't too good, and and it was kind of it'll throw you off because you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't expecting an honest answer for that. That was just me just trying to get past this socially uh, this social encounter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what what you you got me thinking about, and I've been thinking about this for the past week, and. We're not going to talk about we're not going to talk about politics, but I do want to talk about emotions. Um, yeah. I find that American culture at the moment is obsessed with constantly being happy, and that's impossible. As a human being, yeah. it is it is impossible. Plus, by definition, happiness is defined by sadness, and not having the other involved is uh, a removal and. I remember like listening to all that '90s music when everyone was jaded and they were numb, and now it's like fucking emotions everywhere. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's just like it's just emotional vomit now. And there's some things like, and I can see we're talking about pop music because like you see these like uh, I remember when I first heard of Billie Eilish and when when Lord I like really like Lord Billie Eilish kind of like kind of rubs me the wrong way because I feel like. I kind of I don't I find her a little disingenuous in certain sometimes because it's it's very yeah. it's very um, packaged and um, but then at the same time though I'm I'm 38 man like I remember when I was a kid and like my very first CD I ever bought was Alanis Morissette and that was a packaged ass motherfucking CD man that was perfect like that was pop at its best but at the same time it had good art to it so if i'm gonna shit on that then i have to shit on alanis at the same time though but at the other time though i had fiona and pj harvey on my back um that had that weren't singing about something that was easily put on the radio they they were singing about abortion and rape and and constant sorrow and I, I I mean I've got like I've gone so far as I, I've got them on every format. I've got Fiona on vinyl. <laughs> like shit, I got Alanis on vinyl, man. Um and I'm I'm sorry, I think I just threw like this like loaded bomb at you, man, but like when someone says like that to you, uh, I'm literally asking you, how how do you how would you respond to me just throwing that in terms of where you're coming from and the music you're making and the music you enjoy? Yeah. Well, so I me myself, I listen to a lot. I'm a very emotional person. Um, I listen to a lot of sad music. Like I'm not gonna lie to you, most of the music that I listen to is super, super depressing. And I think a lot of times that does reflect in my lyrics. But the way that I structure my songs is, I want it to be something that people can dance and party to and be happy with. But at the same time, they can like if they want to. They can sit down, they can break down those lyrics, and they can think about them and really walk away from that with something tangible. So you're not you're not worried about being packaged and and easily marketed. You're 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 really going out there. You, like, you, people are going to take what they take, and it seems like you're okay with it. Yeah. So like, for example, um, gold. Which, if you want, I can play it for you here in a little bit. But um. The whole point behind Gold was it was actually a song for my girlfriend. And it's talking about, like, I want to treat you like a gold, like it's never been before. And it's like talking about that complete infatuation that you can have over somewhere. You want to know everything about them. You want to spend as much time as you can with them to know, like, 
even like their body language, like you can tell exactly what that person's thinking. And you want, it's about wanting to know that person so well. But the thing is, is because of how the song is structured and because of how, um, how it sounds, because it's got, it's got more of like an R&B type of beat to it. You're talking like slow jam? Um, more like a two feet feel to it. I dig it. Almost. And so, like, imagine like that, but then mixing in, like I said, some like R and B type stuff. So, with that, I think the big thing is because with how I I word it, it could be taken so many different ways. Because like with the chorus. It's saying, I want your body, I want your mind. I want your everything, so why don't you just lay your hand in mine? We can take it slow if you like. And those lyrics, you can take it in a romantic way as in like, hey, you know, we don't have to rush this relationship. We can take it slow. We can get to know each other. Or, if you want to, you can also take it as, you know, I want every like I want every bit of you, and I want to fuck your brains out, which is what I think a lot of people unfortunately take from that song. But you know, all my stuff is up to interpretation. Agreed. I mean, if you even flat out say it, like if you listen to Nine Inch Nails closer, I mean that's a very popular strip club song. But I've I've had girls say this is our song, and I'm like. No, this is not our song. This song is an ugly song about uh, someone that is absolutely codependent and has no sense of self and can only find themselves in the act of intercourse. And uh, that's not okay. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. it, it, yeah, it sure it sounds catchy. <laughs> and like, yeah, he, bless you. He flat out says, yeah, I want to fuck you like an animal. But at the same time, though, that's not what he's really saying. But that's my interpretation. But... Um, at the same time, though, it can go both ways, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so let, let's talk about your music creation here. So you were sitting in front of your computer with, uh, obviously, you probably have bass and guitar and know how to layer and uh, create samples and loops and, you know, really build everything up. What did Zach exactly do? Was he like the... Um, I don't want to say... I'm mean, Obviously, the, the lead singer is very important but at the same time though there's got to be a guy that wrangles things in and can bring some sort of sanity yeah. to to the mix so with me i handle a lot of the the music side of things and he'll, what zach will do is like i'll have something and i'll be like oh i get this kind of a vibe from this so i'll go and I'll look at references to be like, okay, what kind of musicians have this kind of a vibe to them? And like, I'll take notes like, okay, they're using, they're using like X kind of a sound as far as like their, their samples go. And I'll take, use that to formulate like how I'm going to structure the are, song. Are you conscious of all the all the gimmicky type things everyone's doing. Cause I remember when Benny Benassi came out with satisfaction, everyone took that, that electro high end grind and, you know, took and those weird chirps he did. And that, all of a sudden it was like in every song for like the next year. And the same thing happened when dubstep happened, um, was they, they found that low, that low frequency oscillator and figured out how to just make it crazy. Um, 
Or are you yeah. are, are you consciously looking for that sort of thing, or just having fun with everything that just falls in your lap? Oh, the way that, the way that I view it is just like you know, I'll throw away something until I think it sounds good. So like I don't try I don't try to go for something that is mainstream. I don't try to go for like so like if you actually take just the beats of a lot of our songs, a lot of them sound like something that you would hear on like so like some some stuff sounds like something that you would hear on the radio but then other things sound like again something that like Linium would play where okay. it's like so I don't exactly have one sound I would say you don't you but, don't seem like someone that would be comfortable just classifying yourself as an electronic musician well I mean because the thing is that's the only thing I can really think of to classify ourselves as, because the mo- the majority of the stuff that we have recorded is with a lot of synth. We use a lot of you know digitized instruments, but then I'm adding a lot of roots to jazz, a lot of roots to rock, a lot of roots to R and B, and so many things mixed into it. But most of the time, I don't know how to classify myself, but that's usually what people classify us as, as an electronic duo. When, when it comes to performing shows, do you prefer doing, like, are, are you okay being with, like, other genres at the same time? Or would you, because uh, I'm, it, it, I don't want to uh, uh, henpeck you or, or, or in any way uh, pigeonhole you in some sort of way that you're just an electronic musician, because it doesn't sound like that at all to me. It sounds like yeah. you're someone that you're, you, this is just what you're, happen to be using at the moment uh and and eventually you're probably going to find something different um is it something that you want to keep doing and play live with other djs and because there's a a lot of people don't understand there's djs um Uh and they you know they play everyone else's songs and then there's the even more successful djs that actually make a, a song or two every now and then and then there's people like dead mouse or apex twin and they just make they make their own shit and only play their own shit or if it's a remix yeah. of someone else's that they did on their own, um, is that an environment you're comfortable in, or is that something that uh, you're okay with it now? And we'll see how things go. So the way that we're planning on doing it is because it all depends on where we're playing. So like, say we're playing at something like Tomorrowland or like EDC Las Vegas. What we're probably going to be doing is we're going to be singing all of our originals but then also throwing in a whole bunch of remixes in between because it has to be a longer set. Right. And it's so got a blend. A lot of like, huh? And it's got a blend. Exactly. So a lot of the songs that we've been looking at for like remixing, there's a lot of stuff from video games, video games actually. Cause like I'm a huge gamer. I'm like, like I have over 200 games on my, from my PlayStation. And one of the one song that's always stood out to me that we're actually working on a remix for it right now is called Still Alive and by this artist called Lisa Moskowski. And for me, I just find that such, such a beautiful song, not just with the instrumentals, but with the vocals and the lyrics as well. It's just such a well-rounded song. 
Now, I, I appreciate you coming from the video game culture because that's one of the things about music when it comes to video games is you can play anything in a video game. It doesn't matter if it sounds video gamey and glitchy or, 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 or retro Mario. It doesn't matter what you play it because people are ready for it and their minds are open to whatever the yeah. hell you have. Like like all the music they played in Death Stranding knocked me off my, my feet, man. Like I actually liked yeah. – I actually enjoyed playing that game because of the music itself and I just happened to beat it. But it was – <laughs> it was because I was just I just wanted to keep seeing like the second it would flash on screen whose song this was I paused it yeah. found it but then uh, like you were listening to like Power Glove that takes uh, that metalizes like crazy themes and it, you know you, you, you present music like that to people and they're like eh, maybe I don't know I kind of dig it but if they're playing a video game it's interesting that they'll be susceptible to pretty much anything yeah well where are you looking to take the band, man? So, um, currently we have a couple different labels that want us. And the, so the big thing with that is, is because we have these labels that want us, we can't really release much new stuff because, because of that. Right. Um, however, um, they're, one of these people that we've been looking at, they're trying to get us into like EDC Las Vegas, Ultra Miami, like big festivals like that. And so that's once we add the military in 2022, that's probably where the circuit that we're going to be ending up on. Yeah. I was about to say, man, that's a dangerous place to be if you're still in the military, cause you're going to come home and they're going to test you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying that you're looking to go out there and do a lot of stuff, but it's going to be around you. And that is not okay. If you're in the military, cause anytime, anytime, anywhere, if you're in the military, there's going to be some OSI guy that's going to find you doing in the wrong room at the wrong goddamn time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but all right. So we're we're looking to branch out to some festivals. Uh, you've got some record label shop in you right now. Uh, right now that your your real your real home though is Sunshine Studios at the moment, right? Yeah. So right now, um, Scott Wilson, and Christina Corbett have been helping us out tremendously. They've they've become like family to us. So we're in there like all the time. We were. Uh, not too long ago here, actually, we were hanging out in the studio for like 2 o'clock in the morning, just shooting the shit with them and drinking. It was actually really, just such a nice time. It's one of those days, man. I understand, man. Like those, I have the same thing when I go, I show up at random uh, wrestling training and they ask my opinion and I help with storylines and then we're shooting the shit and drinking and it was like, wow, this is, this is all I care about right now. Yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, all right. So we do, we we don't have a definitive release date for uh, anything coming out, though. But you do have one song out now, correct? Yes, I do. That's the one that you sent me. Is that the one I can play at the beginning of the podcast? Yes, you can play that. You can definitely play that at the beginning. Well, how do we find you on uh, online, man? Like, uh, we, how how do our uh, my loyal minefielders find your music? How do they find you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? So we have. So, as far as social media, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we're also on every, like, uh, we're on all streaming platforms, so we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, Apple Music, Google Play, uh, Pandora, iHeartRadio. And that's just, 
that's just some searching for skylight. Sky with SK1, the numeral one, L-Y-T-E, right? Yes, that's right. Well, man, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you in the show, man. It's it, I love finding uh, great artists just at, in general, whether or not they're in my city or not. But it was it was uh, I, I kind of feel it was like kismet meeting you guys the other night because uh, first off, you guys were absolute gentlemen to me. I really appreciate you helping me out, uh, packing all my shit up, and then just dancing and having a good time, man. It was nice to see people enjoy themselves and to meet new friends, man. Yeah, of course, dude. But yeah, yeah well, I'm gonna release this in a, in wow. Just uh, I'm going to read this next week. But Minefielders, uh, this transmission is dangerous and it's also over. But uh, Mr. Judge, don't hang up. Guys, Minefields, over and out.